So we're reading from Luke chapter 4, starting at verse 14, and that's on page 1031 of the Bibles that you should have in chair in front of you. Starting at verse 14. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he'd been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son? they asked. Jesus said to to them, Surely you will quote this proverb to me. Physician, heal yourself. And you will tell me, do here in your hometown what we have heard that you did in Capernaum. Truly I tell you, he continued, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in in Elijah's time, when the sky was shut for three and a half years and there was a severe famine throughout the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them, but to widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon. And there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha the prophet, yet not one of them was cleansed, only Naaman the Syrian. All the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up, drove him out of the town and took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. But he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. Well, good evening, Christchurch. My name is Daniel. I'll pray and we'll start. Lord, thank you so much for the time that we can come and gather and to worship you in community. I pray that everything that I say would be pleasing to you and that everyone here would hear what you want them to hear tonight. Thank you, Lord, for this time. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you ever waited for something, something that you really, really wanted? Have you ever waited, something that you, uh, waited for something that you wanted for a very, very long time? If you were like me, as a kid, there was one thing that you always waited for, and you knew that a lot of the other kids were waiting for this too, and you were looking at the calendar, and you're wondering, 
if that day would ever come. You see, if you were like me, you're waiting for the last day of school. Summer vacation. No more teachers, no more, no more pencils, no more books, no more teachers' dirty looks. Summer vacation. Or maybe you were waiting for your birthday because you knew that you were going to get that present that you've been waiting for all year. Maybe that bike, that doll, that video game. And you're just counting down the days until you got to your birthday. Maybe you've been engaged to be married and you're just waiting for your wedding day. And while you're waiting, you're planning your wedding and you quibble about things like who to invite and what color your napkins are going to be. But you're looking forward to that day that you can declare before everyone that we're making a commitment to be with each other for life. Today we've been talking about people who waited for a long time. And it wasn't, it wasn't like waiting for the last day of school and it wasn't like waiting for your birthday or even your wedding day. The Jewish people had been waiting for the Messiah for hundreds and hundreds of years. And as we look at today's passage, we're going to see that Jesus reads from the scroll of Isaiah and he declares that he's the one that the people had been waiting for for so long. And we'll, we'll talk about what the Messiah was meant to do along the way. And so we've been, look, we've been looking at the book of Luke, and Luke is one of the, the, the accounts of the life, the death, and resurrection of Jesus. And at the beginning of Luke, we have two babies. Two babies are born. The first one is John the Baptist. And John the Baptist had this ministry where he was telling people about repentance. And he was baptizing people. And people started to wonder, could he be the one? Could he be the one that we've been waiting for for hundreds of years? The Christ. Christ means anointed one. The one who is going to come. That's this figure that that the people have been waiting for. And John kept saying, no, it's not me. It's not me. You see, there was another baby born at the beginning of Luke, and that baby was Jesus. And John was telling people, no, he's the one. He's the one that you've been waiting for. The Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one. He's going to be the one to save you. And so we see that Jesus grows up, and Jesus begins his earthly ministry. But before he begins his earthly ministry, he's tempted. He goes to the wilderness and is tempted. And through that account, as we read in Luke, we realize that Jesus, just like us, is tempted. And yet he is without sin. And it starts to tell us about who this figure is. And so after that, after his temptation, Jesus starts his earthly ministry. But he doesn't go to Jerusalem. He doesn't go to the big city. He goes to Galilee. Galilee is a region in the northern hill country. If you look at your Bibles, and if you look at the map here on the inside cover, what you'll see 
is Galilee is pretty far north from the big city, isn't it? And I've been here long enough for, you, for, for, for me to realize the reputation that northerners have among you guys. And so, think about that. And think about the kind of area Galilee was to the people in Jerusalem. Okay? And so, Jesus goes to Galilee, and this is where he starts his earthly ministry. And he goes to a place, and we're going to be looking at it this, this evening, he goes to Nazareth. And Nazareth is where Jesus grew up. Now, I know that you know that he was born in Bethlehem. But this is actually where Jesus grew up. This is where he was raised. And so Jesus goes to the synagogue. And so the synagogue was the place where the Jewish people would go and gather to worship. They'd do it weekly. And so here we are. Turn with me to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4, we'll read, we'll read from verse 16. Luke chapter 4, verse 16. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went to the synagogue, as was his custom. It tells us he did this, he did this regularly. Jesus is setting an example for us, isn't he? Um, he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Now, Isaiah was one of the prophets of Israel. Now, the, the prophet's job was to tell people what God told him. And like many of the prophets, his words got written down. So we have the book of Isaiah. We have the book of Isaiah uh, that the people are reading from. And we still have it today in our Old Testaments. And so, the scroll of Isaiah, and Jesus here is reading from it. Verse 17, unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. What an interesting passage to read. Why did Jesus read this passage? What's going on here? We're going to find out what Jesus is going to do with this passage. And so, as was the custom, after the reading of the scroll, somebody would exposit, someone would teach and comment on the passage they just read. Verse 20, And then he rolled up the scroll, he gave it back to the attendant, and he sat down. This was the posture for rabbis back then. If they were teaching from, the, teaching from the scriptures, they would sit down. And everybody would be watching them. And, if, and sure enough, the eyes of everyone, verse 20, the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him, wondering what Jesus is going to do with this passage. And he began by saying to them, this is his exposition, this is what he is commenting on the passage. He says this, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Who says that kind of thing? Today, this scripture is being, here, is being fulfilled in your hearing? 
Isaiah, hundreds of years before, makes this prophecy about a figure who would come, the Messiah, the Spirit of the Lord is on me. Proclaiming these things. And Jesus says, today, right here, this day, this Sabbath day, that you are all gathered, it's fulfilled. And what Jesus is saying is that I'm the one you've been waiting for. You know, you've been waiting for hundreds and hundreds of years. This is not like waiting for your birthday. This is not like waiting for your wedding day. This is waiting for centuries. And Jesus says, I'm the one you've been waiting for. And a lot of times we look at this passage and, and we might be wondering about the, the, the poor and the, the prisoners and the oppressed. What does all that have to do with the, with the Messiah? And Steve talked about this earlier, but these, all, these are all people in need. Good news to the poor. Freedom for prisoners. Recovery of sight for the blind. And of course, in Luke, we actually see Jesus interacting with some of these kinds of people. And we wonder, should we be doing the same thing? Should the church be doing this? Make a couple of points about this, and then we'll, we'll, we'll move forward with what Jesus is saying here. The first thing is that when Jesus, when Jesus is saying these things, he's saying these things are fulfilled in, your pres- in, my, in my presence today. These things apply to Jesus. They don't necessarily apply to the church. I'll say that again. When Jesus is saying, today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing, he's saying this about himself, and this is not something that applies to everyone else as well. Okay? But the second thing I want to point out is that the, the, is that the word that's repeated over and over again in this passage is the word proclaim. Over and over and over. The three times you see the word proclaim. And that tells us something. That tells us that Jesus had a message. And that all of these things point to Jesus being the one, the Messiah, the anointed one, the Christ that everyone has been waiting for. And so along with the message, these, along with the message, were the healings. Recovery of sight. Over and over again, we see that Jesus goes and preaches the message. And people in need were coming to him, and he would heal them, or he would, he would release them from their oppression, from something. And all of that points to Jesus and his identity, because the message that Jesus came with was that I'm the one, and I'm going to reverse all this brokenness And so when Jesus was healing the sick 
and making the blind see and, and, and releasing people from all kinds of oppression. He was pointing to a, a deeper need, which was a spiritual need. It wasn't, it, it, it's not that it's not about the physical needs. But there's a, there's a deeper need here. Jesus comes to meet spiritual needs. And so again, Jesus is saying, I'm the one you've been waiting for. The one that was promised a long time ago. And this is how the people respond. Verse 22. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son? They asked. I want you to notice something. They're not not responding to what Jesus said. They're just responding to how Jesus said it. They've completely glossed over his message and they're just saying, oh, how cute. One of ours. Our hometown kid from Nazareth. Isn't he speaking so well? Isn't this the son of the carpenter that we know down the street? And so they're they're starting to miss the point, aren't they? Jesus just said something profound. Nobody talks like this. He says, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. I'm the one you've been waiting for. And yet they talk talking about how, oh, we remember when you were little. And then Jesus starts to get personal. Verse 23. Jesus says to them, Surely you will quote this proverb to me, Physician, heal yourself, and you will tell me, Do here in your hometown what we heard you did in Capernaum. Now, Capernaum's another city in Galilee. And apparently, what Jesus is probably referring to is that he did some kind of healing or something, some miracle in Capernaum. Maybe something about healing, because it says, Physician, heal yourself. And so, Jesus is saying, I know what you're thinking. You want, me to see, you want to see me do a magic trick, don't you? You want to see me do something that I did somewhere else, and that's what, that's what you're here for. But you haven't responded to my message about who I am. And then he says something that the people respond to. Verse 24, he says, Truly I tell you, he continued, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. Here, here Jesus is in his hometown, and he's saying, no prophet's accepted in his hometown. You're not going to accept me. You're going to reject me. And you're going to be known as the people who rejected the Christ. I assure you, verse 25, I assure you that there were many widows in Israel Elijah's time. When the sky was shut for three and a half years and there was a severe famine throughout the land, Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them, but to a widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon. And there were many in in Israel with leprosy at the time of Elisha the prophet, yet not one of them was cleansed, only Naaman the Syrian. Jesus brings up some well-known figures in Israel's history. Elijah and Elisha, these are prophets. These are prophets like Isaiah. And there were many, they did many great things. And they were known for doing many great things. Elijah and Elisha. Some of you might be thinking about some of the things that these prophets did. But Jesus chooses these two events in the history of Elijah and Elisha 
talks about the widow at Zarephath, and he talks about Elisha, uh, sorry, he talks about Naaman the Syrian. Why does Jesus, out of all the things that Elijah and Elisha did, why does Jesus choose these two events? I want us to think about what these two big people have in common. We have the widow of Zarephath, and we have Naaman the Syrian. What do they have in common? And Jesus prefaces it too, by the way. He says, there were many widows, and there were many lepers, and yet Jesus goes to these two, I mean, sorry, Elijah goes to this person, and Elisha goes to that person. What do they have in common? They're not Jews. They're Gentiles. Those people that the Jews hated. Those dirty people. And what this pokes at is what the people expected the Messiah to do. You see, one of the expectations for the Messiah, one of the expectations of the Jewish people for the Christ, the anointed one who was going to come, was that he was going to release them from their oppression. Because one of the things that we see over and over again in the history of God's people is that they were oppressed by their enemies. And we can start mentioning all these different people groups who oppressed the Jewish people. And they were convinced that the Messiah would come and he would restore the kingdom. Restore the kingdom of Israel to its glory and bring judgment, bring condemnation, and take revenge on people who are not Jewish. I'm going to say that again. The people were convinced that when the Messiah came, that, they, that the Messiah was going to restore the kingdom to its former glory, but also take revenge on, anyone, on the people who were not Jewish, the people who were around them, the people who had been oppressing them this whole time. And yet Jesus chooses these events. Talk about that. And he says, a prophet is not accepted in his hometown. And Elijah and Elisha went to non-Jews. And what Jesus is saying here is giving us a preview of what's going to happen actually throughout Luke where Jesus starts to bring the message to Gentiles. And it doesn't end there because Luke is just volume one of a two-volume set called Luke and Acts. And we start to see how the church expands from just the Jews to include the Gentiles as well to the shock of many Jews in the book of Acts. And so Jesus is setting this up right here as he starts his ministry. Again, the people are convinced that the Messiah is going to come and take vengeance on their enemies, on the people who are not Jewish. And now Jesus says this, don't, don't, don't forget Elijah and Elisha. And this is how the people respond, verse 28. All the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got, they got up, drove him out of town, and took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. But he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. Um, I hope tonight that you're not going to throw me off the cliff. But I'm going to be sharing what Jesus shared that night, that day. You see, the people had a certain idea about what the Messiah would be. 
And Jesus is saying, maybe it's not what you think. And so the people make a decision about Jesus, don't they? They want to throw him off cliff. They don't want to follow Jesus. They don't think that Jesus is worth following based on what he said. And so tonight, I want us to think about this. Jesus had come, gave a message, and yet the people are rejecting Jesus. Just like he said, you're going to reject me. I want to point out something tonight. When Jesus read from the scroll of Isaiah, he read from Isaiah chapter 61. He read verse 1, and he started reading verse 2. He didn't finish reading. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 61. Keep your finger in, in Luke. Keep your finger in Luke. Then turn back to Isaiah chapter 61. Isaiah is pretty easy to find. It's a large book in the Old Testament. Isaiah chapter 61. And I'm, I'm just going to read from verse 1. He says, the spirit, of the, Lord, the spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners. All of this should sound familiar to you, right? This is what Jesus read in that synagogue, didn't right? Let's read verse 2. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He read that as well. He didn't read this part. And the day of the vengeance of our God. You see, when Jesus, when, when, when the Messiah was to come, he was supposed to come, he was supposed to bring two things. The year of the Lord's favor and the day of the God's vengeance. Two things. Favor and vengeance. And so the people knew that from this prophecy, when the Messiah comes, that there would be favor on those who follow God and there would be vengeance on those who don't. i say that again. The people knew that when the Messiah came, there would be favor on those who followed God and vengeance on those who didn't follow God. And so this is what Jesus is saying by reading what he read. When Jesus came, he said, this is fulfilled in your hearing. Isaiah 61, verse 1, and the beginning of verse 2. But he didn't say that the second part of he didn't say that the second part we just read about in verse two was fulfilled yet. You see, that part is going to be fulfilled later. And the people were living in between the first coming of Jesus and the second, because when the second when the, when Jesus comes the second time, that's when the day of vengeance will be. And during this time, between Jesus' first coming, 
between the, when, when, the, when the year of the Lord's favor starts and Jesus' second coming, when the day of vengeance comes, the people in that synagogue have an opportunity. Are they going to follow Jesus? Are they going to follow him? Are they going to believe that Jesus is, say, is who he says he is? That he's the Messiah, the anointed one, the one they've been waiting for for hundreds of years? Will they believe? And will they follow him? And what we're seeing is that when, when, when they're saying, when they're saying, we don't like what you're teaching, Jesus, we want to throw you off a cliff, they're saying, we don't want to follow you. Christchurch, this evening, I want to ask you a question. We're living in the same period of history as the people in that synagogue. Between the first coming of Jesus and the second coming of Jesus. We're still living in the same period. Between Isaiah chapter 1, Isaiah chapter 61, verse 2a, and Isaiah chapter 61, verse 2b. The day of the Lord's vengeance hasn't come yet, and we have a decision to make, don't we? And so I'm going to ask you this question tonight. Do you believe that Jesus is who he says he is, and do you follow him? Because there's going to be two kinds of people. There's going to be people who benefit from the Lord's favor and the people who suffer the Lord's vengeance. In the end, that's it. There's two categories. That's what Jesus is saying here and what Luke is, is illustrating for us. After, that, after we get to the second cone, our opportunity is up. We won't have another chance. Now, I, don't know, I don't know if the people who were in Nazareth that day repented and followed Jesus. Maybe they did. But if they didn't, then like many, they're going to end up suffering the day of the Lord's vengeance. And Jesus started to say, hey, this message is for not just the Jews, but for the Gentiles as well. And that's good news for most of us in this room. Isn't it? And so, I know this is really hard. Because following Jesus is not easy. And Jesus promises us that it's not easy. Jesus called the disciples, Jesus called to be his disciple, uh, sounds like this, deny yourself, pick up your cross, follow me. Give up what you have. The road is narrow. People will persecute you. They'll be suffering. 
And so, we don't take this decision lightly, do we? But if we believe that Jesus is who he says he is, then we know that we who follow him would benefit from the Lord's favor. The year of the Lord's favor. We have this period of time that we can know that we benefit. And there's times, and I don't know about you, there's times when I want to take the words of Jesus and throw them off a cliff. When he talks about suffering for him. When he talks about loving your enemies. When he talks about abandoning everything for his sake. I don't want to follow Jesus. But in the end, I believe that Jesus is who he says he is. And Jesus promises us that anyone who leaves father or mother, things in this world, will receive a hundredfold, not just in this life, but also in the life to come. And so let me ask you again. There's two categories of people. Are you in this category or in this one? The people in the passage that Jesus read, the people, these people are in need. And if we can say, Jesus, we need you, there's no way to gain eternal life without you. And Jesus is here to reverse the sad things, to fix the broken things, to make the bad things come untrue. And that, for us, is great news. Will you pray with me? Jesus, this is really hard because the way that, that what you call us to do is so difficult. And discipleship is never easy. But we know that if we follow you, you give us the Holy Spirit to enable us to continue and to persevere through this journey. And we don't deserve the Lord's favor. We, we thank you because you've given us the Lord's favor as a gift. And when we follow you, we lay our lives down we pick up a cross and we deny ourselves and we follow you, then we know that as, lo- as we are facing you and our posture is facing you, that we have eternal life, we have new purpose for our lives, and we get to be with you for eternity. And that's why it's called good news, isn't it? Jesus, thank you for this message. We pray, we pray that we can embody this Lord, I'm also praying for anyone here who has not made that decision to follow you. I pray that you, uh, you work in their hearts, fill them with the Holy Spirit, that they would say, Jesus, I need you. I believe you're the Messiah. I want to follow you. I know it's not easy, but this room is filled with people who can help me and encourage me along the way. Thank you, Lord, for your church. Thank you for this worship service. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.